Hello plant fans, it's On The Ledge Podcast and I'm Jane Perone coming at you with my brand new logo. Yes, I hope you can see it on your pod app of choice now. My new logo in all its glory designed by Jacqueline Colley. Thanks so much to Jacqueline who did a fantastic work at embodying the essence of On The Ledge. If you go and check out my Instagram at j.l.perone, you'll see the black and white version, which I'm using as the main podcast logo. But there's also a version in two different shades of green, which is rather striking too, which I'll also be keeping on hand for various other projects. Do let me know which one you prefer. The logo features three plants, Monstra deliciosa, Sansevieria cylindrica and Begonia maculata whitei, three of my favourite houseplants. Obviously, there were so many more that we could have included, but you can't have them all. So I picked those three to represent different kinds of houseplants. So I hope you like it. I'm hoping to be getting some merch up and running before long so you can buy your own on the ledge t-shirt, mug or tote bag. I'll keep you posted on that front. And thanks to my Patreon subscribers who got a sneak preview of the early drafts of the logo and helped me to streamline the design and get one that really worked. And welcome to this week's new patrons. That's Sabrina, Matthew and Linda. Thanks so much to them. And if you want to find out how to join Patreon and support On The Ledge, take a look at my show notes at janeperone.com. This week I'm kicking off with a question about plants for dark and poorly ventilated spaces and then I'll be bringing you some more insights from my Dutch trip. We'll be finding out why it's the Koreans who are the best at cactus grafting and why smaller is better when it comes to breeding agaves. But first, we're mixing it up this week, so let's deal with our question. It comes from Fatma. She wants to spruce up the place where she lives, which is rented accommodation. And she's worried because it's got terrible ventilation and some areas, especially the staircase, get very little sunlight. She's trying to find plants that can survive in these areas and will help to clean the air, but she can't find enough material or resources. She wants to put a plant in her room and the bathroom. Both have windows, but also radiators. She doesn't want to get plants that won't be able to survive and she wants to be able to take care of them. Well, Fatma, I'm sure I can help. There are many aspects to this question and it's difficult to know where to start, but let's start with ventilation. Poor ventilation can be a problem for some house plants that are likely to get things like powdery mildew. I'm thinking of things like, well, prime candidate might be something like an impatiens or a begonia. These plants tend to succumb to powdery mildew, which looks like a kind of dusting of white on the surface of the leaves. It's a fungal infection. And this often happens when the plant isn't getting enough air circulation. So I'd avoid those kind of plants. If you want to improve the ventilation, well, of course, you can always open a window, I guess on a staircase, that's not so easy. You can also introduce some fans into the environment just to keep the air moving, make sure they're not trained on the plants but on the air in between. 
But I wouldn't worry too much about terrible ventilation in terms of a lot of the common house plants, which uh, will be more troubled by drafts of cold air than they would be by stagnant air. In fact, some house plants might actually help to improve the air quality, which is something that you're after. I should say I've got an upcoming episode which is going to major on this issue, how to improve air quality with houseplants. And I'm talking to a researcher who's been studying this, looking at how VOCs, volatile organic compounds, in other words, air pollutants, can be removed by houseplants or at least some houseplants. And also how CO2, carbon dioxide, can be processed by houseplants. There's a lot to it that's why I'm dedicating a whole episode to it but basically one of the things you should bear in mind is that a lot of those activities of removing pollutants and CO2 only happen at quite high light concentrations so in Fatma's dark corners of her flat or apartment she's unlikely to find that the plants are doing a massive amount in terms of cleaning up the air. I think you've got a plump for the real toughies of the house plant world. I hasten to go on again about aspidistras. In fact, just to say, if you do want to hear me talk a bit more about aspidistras again, tune into the Hot House podcast, which I'm featuring on this week. I'll put the link in my show notes or just Google Hot House Jane Perone and you'll find me there. It's a chance for me to bang on about my favourite topics with the lovely Leah Cherner. I do recommend Hot House as a fantastic planty podcast, so do check that out. Although you don't have to start with my episode, of course. Anyway, back to Fatma's question. Yes, aspidistras would be good in this kind of environment because they are plants that survived the terribly polluted air of the Victorian home. So they will be absolutely fine in the stagnant air of your place, Fatma. And they also won't mind the low light conditions much either. Try to keep the plants far away as possible from your radiators. The death knell of any house plant is being sat on top of a radiator. That dry heat will kill most things pretty fast. Interestingly, peace lily or spathiphyllum is one of the best plants for removing VOCs and CO2 from the air but it probably won't do a lot in low light levels but it will survive in low light levels so I'd definitely say peace lily is a good choice. Another surefire hit is dracaenas. I'm going to be talking a bit more about these in a little bit when we get to talk about my visit to Vireo Nursery but there's some lovely forms of dracaenas coming through now and these plants really are tough as old boots. Dracaena marginata is the classic one also known as the Thai tree or the dragon tree with its scaly trunk with a top knot of thin strap-like leaves edged in red. There's a new one which I saw in the nursery called Sunray which is rather lovely with a sort of a golden stripe. This plant's been a bit out of fashion for a while but I think it might be coming back in so definitely check out Dracaena's Fatma. I'd also say that Sansevierias are absolutely fine for this kind of environment. They don't need a lot of attention and they won't be too bothered about the light situation either. There are so many lovely cultivars as we discussed in last week's show and they're very widely available these days. One other option for you Fatma, the ponytail palm or or Bocania recurvata. If you grow this one in shade, it's probably not actually going to put on much growth at all, but it will sit there and look nice without dying, which 
is a big thumbs up from me as far as I'm concerned. If you want it to really put on growth, you probably would have to add a grow light for this plant. But it's such a toughie with that thick swollen stem at the bottom, which stores water. You know you don't need to water this one too often because it will get by if you forget for a few days, weeks or even months. I'd say a Scheffler or umbrella plant was also a great choice. Tough old plants these are. They're tree-like and they make a great specimen plant. You could even put your Christmas lights on them, one of these if you fancy it. But they really won't be bothered by the air issues and the lack of light that Fatma's talking about. For the bathroom, well, there are many options here. I'd say that probably uh, you could certainly keep a Phalaenopsis orchid, a moth orchid, in a bathroom for a good amount of time. Ultimately, it would probably need to move to a place that's better lit, but it could certainly survive for a few months. And particularly if it had some flower buds already on it, you could survive for a few months in those lower light conditions just keep it away from the radiator and make sure it's getting wet at least once a week so that those silvery roots turn a bit darker colour and that way you know that it's had enough water. Check out the moth orchid episode. That's on the ledge number 65 for more details on those. If you've got any suggestions for what Fatma should be growing then please do let me know and do look out for the upcoming episode where I talk about plants and air quality with PhD student Curtis Gubb. Thanks for your question Fatma, I hope that helps. If you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop me an email to ontheledgepodcast at gmail.com. back to my trip to the Netherlands. As you heard in last week's episode number 72, James Wong and I had a fantastic time wandering around the huge cavernous halls of the Flora Holland trade show, discovering lots of new stuff about plants that we grow indoors. And we had great fun. The following day, we headed off early in the morning to visit three nurseries. As you'll remember, we were travelling as guests of the Joy of Plants, which is the kind of outreach arm of the Flower Council of Holland. Just to reiterate, they paid for my flight and my hotel room, but they didn't pay me to attend, just so we're totally clear and transparent. And of course, they've got no influence over what I say in this podcast, which is entirely whatever comes off the top of my tiny brain. One of the things about visiting nurseries for a podcast is you don't realise until you get there quite how noisy and busy they are. So it's quite difficult to record good audio inside. Here's a little bit of a sample of what it sounds like inside a Dutch nursery. This was the first nursery we visited early that morning, De Amstel BV, in the town of Alsmeer in the Netherlands, aka the flower capital of the world, because just down the road is the huge flower auction, which sends plants and flowers all over Europe and beyond. This nursery specialises in ficus, so they've got some amazing ficus alii and ficus Amstel king, that are absolutely huge. I have no idea how they actually get them out of the nursery because they're up to about four and a half meters tall. Do have a look at my show notes for some pictures of these plants. They also have lots of ficus elastica, 
ficus fibrosa, ficus ovalifolium, and also lots of the ficus that are very on trend at the moment, ficus lyrata, but also some new and upcoming ficus species which we haven't really yet seen here in the UK. Over to Hans from the nursery to explain a bit more. I'm Hans Wegbrans, I'm the manager over here. What an amazing nursery, how long have you been operating on this site? Uh, I've been operating here uh, for 30 years now. And what are the exciting new things that you're starting to see come over from your suppliers in tropical parts of the world? Are there new things we're still going to be seeing? There are a few new things coming, uh, especially in the ferns and some in the ficus. In terms of variegation or yes, new? Yes, yeah, variegations. Is that what people, your customers are asking for? Yeah. Yes. Lots of variegation. Yeah. And is that hard to achieve? in terms of growing plants on and making them look good? Variegated plants tend to be a little bit weaker? Or mm. can you...? I don't, think, I don't think there is a problem with variegated plants. No. We, can, we can grow them, that's no problem. And what about the, the Sansevierias are so popular now? Are they still, are you still finding that customers are wanting a Sansevieria? Have we reached peak Sansevieria now or? I think we reached peak, yes. Yeah. They are coming quite a lot. A lot of China at the moment in different varieties and different sizes. So I think there are we achieved the peak. You've got some beautiful, uh, you would say ficus, I would say ficus um, here. Yeah. Beautiful species that we don't really see in the UK. You were showing me one called Floriers, one called Forest, one, one called, called Roy. Roy. Yes. Um, these are incredible plants that we're not really seeing. I'm hoping they're going to be coming to the UK. Um, uh, are these in the same as ficus lyrata in terms of easy-ish to grow? They are, they are quite easy to grow. The ficus roi is no problem. The ficus forest, it's a bit difficult. Okay. It needs a lot of light, but it's a very nice one. Um, the ficus floris is quite new, but not so easy. So you've got to be, have your wits about you for that one. Yeah, well, lots of my listeners love a challenge, so mm -hmm. that's great. And is there anything else in the line of tropical plants? You've got beautiful philodendrons here. We've seen yeah. the gold celluum, yes. yeah. which is particularly nice. Yes. Are there any other philodendrons we should be thinking about looking for in the UK? Mm. What about stingray? I saw that yesterday at the show, the Flora Holland show. Is that one that's you're growing? Mm, yeah, it's new growing. It's, it's not for us, but it's new growing, yes. Right. Yeah. And there are so many different species of philodendron, presumably there's more for us to, there's more, must be, that must be another area of growth. Yeah. yeah. You have to go to another, uh, another grower. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, thank you so much for okay. showing us around. It's, it's absolutely beautiful here and uh, it's very inspiring and it's making me want even more plants. Do check out my show notes for some pictures of those incredible ficus, roy, flores and forest. I really hope I get the plants labelled right because uh, <laughs> we saw so many plants and I took so many pictures. But do look at the show notes and you'll see exactly what I mean about these beautiful broad-leaved ficus like Larata, only that bit more stylish. Hmm, I've said a cat amongst the pigeons there, haven't I? Anyway, let's hear what my travelling companion, Mr James Wong, thought of the whole place. James, it's always hard recording in nurseries because they always have lots of radio on in the background. I'm realising this the more nurseries I go into, but I just wanted to get a couple of minutes with you talking about what we've seen so far in this nursery, which is amazing. 
there's a lot of ficus in here. There's a lot of uh, fascinating philodendrons that we've already seen. What what struck you so far? Yeah, and there's no seer on, which is an unusual <laughs> unusual change. What I think is great about this nursery is just well, a the total size of the place, and b you know some of the sizes of the plants. So it's mainly ficus. We're standing in a vast greenhouse here with a, a canopy of ficus trees some of which are getting on and on for like 20 years old and then beneath that canopy to take advantage of the the kind of the empty floor space underneath it in this room loads of philodendron but then you know and there's agalanemas in each room there's just thousands and thousands of plants um, and that sound you can hear are trolleys that are being zipped around all over the place uh, just carrying loads and loads of them from all different directions I really want to go on those trolleys. I'm such a child. <laughs> I do as well, but you know, even though they're on a rail, I'd totally crash it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what's fascinating to me is just, despite the fact that in the UK we're limited to maybe three, four, if we're lucky, five different types of ficus, here we've seen, gosh, we've seen at least ten different types of ficus, some of which I've never even heard of. Um, what does this mean? Why, why is this so that in the UK we're kind of limited as to what's available? And I'm sure also in the US too that that's probably the same. That I don't know. I, well, I definitely know in... in, in uh, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know. I definitely know in Holland that they're unbelievably innovative and creative. And they're all about what they call the novelties, like the new product introductions. And in the UK, those very, very rarely make it over. You know, when I used to come here a lot to buy tropical plants for a lot of the gardens I designed at Chelsea, basically 5% of what was made in Holland in terms of the variety was making it over. Huge volumes, but of a tiny handful of species. And I always wondered, you know, I used to ask the growers, why? And they were like, British people are just conservative and they want to stick to <laughs> Kentias and Phalaenopsis. And I said, that can't be the only reason. Like, they must compete with each other. They must be wanting to buy other things. And they're like, no. They've decided what the market wants, and that's where they're providing them. Oh, another trolley's coming through. <laughs> and uh, what's happening now, wait for them to go. Place is super busy. Um, what's happening now with this flowering of like lots of really small indie garden centers for houseplants, particularly in East London, is in those places, they're suddenly being much more open-minded, and you, you've started to see some of the real novelties here I have seen in London, but you know, one, in a, like a, next to a hipster coffee shop in the deepest, darkest steps of East London. All the big multiples will stick to the same, like, what, five to 10, and that's it. Well, let's hope that we can engender some change and see things like that amazing philodendron cellulum gold that we just mm. saw with the amazing neon green slash gold leaves. Looks like it's from Mars, like you can't believe yeah. that's a real plant. Uh, and we, yesterday we saw the, the stingray, which again, mm. I've only ever seen, I think, North One has it, I think. Um, that's an amazing, I mean, it, the leaves look like a stingray. That's an incredible plant. You know, I think what's driven a lot of the, the trend for houseplants is the availability. So, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't have very many houseplants even though I've always been obsessed by them. Um, primarily because I can't get excited about a Kentia palm. I can't really get excited by yet another white you, phalaenopsis. You've got it in for the Kentia palm. Oh, I, I love them. I love them like, um, you know, in when they're a certain size, when they're mass and they've got a trunk and stuff, they're beautiful. When they look like there's something that's, that might as well be plastic that's come off a production mm. line, then like it doesn't have that wild natural feel, which is what I think we're, we're looking for with houseplants, a piece of nature that's come into your house. If you're getting a regular Kentia palm, then, you know, there are people that like them, but they're just, there's so much more in the ice cream shop than vanilla, and they're very vanilla. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I can die happy now having seen a large specimen of Bantel's sensation. Uh, I didn't steal any. I was very good. But apparently... <laughs> And literally, there was just one. There was just one. That plant, God knows why. The the, the hands, the the nursery guy here, didn't seem to know either why this plant is so exclusive and hard to get. But I'm going to keep up my search. You know, if you keep (laughs) talking about it, everyone's going to want it. And then, like, they'll be like the new Pilea peperomioides. Everyone will want That is my plan. (laughs) Peronmania. (laughs) That's what you're going to start. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm banging on about Bantel sensation again. I really am obsessed with this Sansevieria. But this guy, Hans, he had two huge specimens in his nursery, but they didn't seem to be being produced for the mass market. So who knows quite what the mystery is with this plant? If you've got any insight, do let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Next, we headed off to Ubink, a cactus and succulent nursery that's been in the Ubink family for generations. And to show us around was Hurt Ubink, who is one of the brothers who runs the nursery. And it was a fascinating insight into how cacti and succulents are produced. Ubink has a base out in Tenerife in the Canary Islands, which makes perfect sense when you think about it, because out there they get 11 months of growth out of their cacti and succulents, whereas in the Netherlands that might only be five or six months. So they grow a lot of their plants out there to get the maximum possible growth in the least amount of time. And 13 million plants a year are sent out from that Dutch nursery. Many will have spent a lot of time growing in Tenerife and then are brought over to the Netherlands to be got ready for sale. The first part of the nursery we visited was a forest of hugely tall, beautiful cacti and euphorbias. Some real monsters in there. Golden barrel cacti, columnar cacti and apparently a lot of these really big cacti and also the large agaves are sold by Ubink to places like UAE and Dubai where they get used as roadside planting which makes perfect sense. But it was also interesting to see Ubink's breeding program and one of the highlights of the visit there was visiting the benches on which the unusual plants the mutations that emerged during propagation of cacti and succulents were placed and this was a real treasure trove. Sometimes these are just plants that are spotted amongst the general population, something a little bit different, perhaps some variegation or an unusual shape. These are then placed on this special bench and at some point or other they are separated out or to do some propagation of leaves in the case of succulents with the possibility of ending up as a mass-produced plant in this huge nursery. That process might take up to 10 to 15 years with cacti. It's a lot quicker with succulents, which of course can be reproduced just from a single leaf cutting oftentimes. It was interesting to hear from Hurt what he is finding that people are interested in these days. Spineless cacti are something that people are asking for increasingly because lots of people don't want their children to hurt themselves or live in a limited space where spines can be an issue if you brush past. So he's trying to develop lots of spineless cacti. He's also trying to develop a smell-free stapelia. Yes, uh, that may sound like a contradiction in terms. We talked about this succulent recently which trades on its stinky flowers in the wild. But although it's a beautiful flower, that smell puts a lot of people off. So Hurt is working on a new cultivar that won't put out such a smell. Here's a little excerpt of our trip around the nursery with Hurt. 
talking about non-stinky stapelias and Compton carousel. We are uh, trying to get uh, stapelias without smell. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yes, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and how, d- I mean, is that, how is that going? <laughs> no, yeah, make, making crossing from stapelias. So we have uh, stapelia... Uh, uh, they are there. You can smell uh-huh. them. You can, oh, actually, you cannot smell them. Yeah. Uh, and we make crossings with, uh, with this variety and other varieties, and then we see if it's getting better varieties with some smell. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel a bit sad for the stapelia though, because it's like, I mean, this is me getting all uh, all whimsical, but you know, that's their thing, being stinky, and like yes, the yes, poor yes. stapelia, it's like I can't smell anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's just me being whimsical, but. <laughs> I don't know. If I yeah. But then yeah. again, I can see why that would be. It's a beautiful plant. It would sell in the store. It would sell. Like in the store, it looks. It, people are more likely to buy it with the flower on. But another thing. Not if they can it. smell it. No, that's exactly right. You can see the market sense completely. Yeah. These are amazing as well. Yes, it's. Uh, what is this? Looks like they're in flower already. Is this another development of yours? Yes. And what have you? Has it got a name? Is it? Or are uh, you still? A sunrise. Mm-hmm. Sunrise. Sunrise. It's coming. Uh, Next year summer we're starting to sell the first one. Beautiful. And is that on the end though? Is that a is that Compton Carousel or is yes. that Compton Compton Carousel? People go nuts for that in the UK. Yes, I know. They go. I mean, what do you? Can you sell that for a really premium price? You must be able to. It's so it's so popular in the UK. Does it sell? Does that sell for more than a normal Echeveria? Eh? Does that sell for more than a normal Echeveria, that Compton Carousel? You must be able to sell that for more than a bog standard Echeveria, surely. Yes, yes, we sell it for more yeah. price. Because it's also not commercial. It's not, yeah, uh, it's not very... It's, it's, it's very bad to make cuttings and things. Yeah, but, uh, it's not, not easy. So this is definitely a point worth bearing in mind when you're looking at buying cacti and succulents. If you're buying something that's hard to propagate, either a cactus which has to be grown from seed and obviously that takes longer than vegetative propagation, or something that like Compton Carousel that's for some reason a little bit tricksy to propagate, possibly because it's variegated, that means that's going to push the price of your plant right up. Of course, once a, a grower has mastered propagating a plant successfully for the mass market, the price which may start out sky high will rapidly drop until a plant comes into general circulation. And this is what's happening a huge amount at the moment with so many different kinds of cacti and succulents as the demand goes up and breeders master and mass produce these plants, we're seeing them on the shelves of our supermarkets, garden centres and nurseries. There are always going to be some plants that are going to cost more, of course, those three or four metre high columnar cacti I mentioned at the start of our tour of Ubink, those have had many, many years of work and growth put into them, which means, of course, they're going to cost a lot more. Cordisiform plants, those with a fat, swollen cordex, things like Stephania and Dioscorea. Again, those often take a long time to get that big, fat base established, so hence they tend to cost more money. Let's hear a little bit more from Hurt about the table of delights that James and I were cooing over, all the interesting specimens that he is keeping for possible propagation and mass market production. Yeah. Are these a little bit hobby? Are these the ones you liked yesterday? 
Lots of weird. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we are. What we're doing here is uh, we produce about uh, 12 million plants a year. Yeah. And if we, uh, there is always a little bit mutation. Yes. Or yeah. a strange one. Or, and yeah. we put them here. And especially the, the beginning years of the company, they, they started with this. Yeah. And they put the plants here and we let them grow here a little while. And sometimes we have weird ones we are starting to, to propagate because we have, for example... James likes weird. Yeah, anything. <laughs> oh. All about the novelties. Likes, likes this third one. Wow. Oh, that's going... Yes, you have, this is the first one we have, but we produce now about 8,000 pieces a year. Yeah. By cuttings and seedlings. This and is amazing. It looks and, like and also this work. one we, we yeah. produce now. Uh, this one is a new phobia we're starting to produce. So sometimes, yes, the most things are standing here and they're standing here for 10 mm. years or 15 years. Mm. Once every two years year we retransplant it. There are the first seedlings from my father are here inside. Oh, really? The yellow mm. one there. Oh, wow. So uh, we, uh, the, uh, we have collector friends, we get plants and we say, okay, mm. we put them somewhere that they are sold in the meantime, so yeah. we put them here. Yeah. I see lots of Instagram accounts with these variegated... Uh, variegated, a, yes. Um, especially in places like Iran, yeah. they seem to be crazy for those variegated cactus. You just see yes. whole benches of them. Yes, Iran, Iraq, uh, uh, China... Uh, mm. You have to see there are uh, in the world there are uh, all uh, in Holland we have for example 1,200 collectors mm. and these mm. collectors the normal things they know but if mm. there is one variegated one yes they they is that Echinopsis subdenudata yes yeah oh there you go I got that right that's good <laughs> there you go uh, it's just that's a that's I mean I'm always a bit unsure with variegation in cacti but actually that is lovely. That's really nice. And have you managed to? Is that one that you've managed to produce, or is that no, one you're not. still? Yes, it's possible. Oh, he's, oh, they, he's, he's, he's yeah, it's, it's hope. I love. The, what's what's this? That's really lovely. Yeah, it's already also twenty-five years old. Wow. They're beautiful. And these cordyciform plants are very popular now. Again, yeah, I'm seeing that. We do not match in it. Well, I mean, presumably, it quite takes a long time to get a cordex like that. Yeah, it, it is, it's an end growing and to get the seeds. Yeah. And uh, there are still a few people who imported for the, the bulbs from uh, mm -hmm. other countries, but we, we say yes, we do not do it ourselves because, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. sometimes it's good, sometimes it's illegal, sometimes. Yeah. And if you are a company like this, you have to take care that of course of straight. course of course that's a nice little agave there Lovely. Is, do you, what's a do you know what agave that is uh, yeah I like the striped agave mm. lofanta lofanta oh okay I've recently got a bit of agave obsessed I've yeah, been given a Built, we're starting up also build up a new group of agave varieties in Tenerife. Oh, okay. Let's take a photo of that. Yeah. 
If we, mm. if we try to make agaves in the size about 13 centimeters. Agaves getting them more for the... Who keeps compact and yep. getting more, much more bigger as 40 centimeters. Yeah. Right. Because uh, if they put them in the outside in the garden, if you get mm. a huge thing, you yeah. 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 Like that, bring them under in some... The, the huge varieties we, we sell a lot to uh, Arabic countries for road planting. Yeah. Mm. But uh, the small varieties is for North Europe very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So one last fact to bring you from Ubing. You may have seen on social media I took some pictures of the incredible array of moon cacti. These are grafted cacti, which the top section is either bright orange or yellow or red or pink. And this is grafted onto a base a nine centimeter base of Hylocereus or queen of the night stem. So the moon cactus or Gymnocalcium mehanichovii, this is a strange old cactus because it doesn't produce chlorophyll. So it has to be grafted onto some kind of rootstock in order to survive because after all, a plant that doesn't produce chlorophyll is going to run into problems with photosynthesis pretty quickly. And how do I know that the Hylocereus pieces that it's grafted onto are exactly nine centimeters well that's because Hurt told me that's exactly what they asked for from the korean companies that supply these grafted cacti it's very precise manual labor that can't be done by a machine and apparently only the koreans are able to get those measurements quite so precise that all the grafts end up exactly the same size once they've been grafted, they arrive at the Dutch nursery and they're grown on, ready for sale. I'm in two minds about these grafted cacti because ultimately they're not a long-lived plant. The bit on the top, the moon cactus, tends to die after a few years and so does the graft below. It's not something that will last forever. It's a novelty that is only a short-lived one. But it's something beautiful that often catches people's eyes. But I hope that it just inspires people to try a bit of grafting of their own with something that might last a little bit longer and find out more about the fascinating process that is grafting. Our final visit of the day was to a nursery called Vireo, which is a really, really huge operation that produces many, many millions of plants a year, particularly Dracaenas, Sansevierias, Zamiococcus, hibiscus and all sorts of other houseplant delights. The part that we went to see was mainly growing heterohelix and dracaenas. Now I've always written off dracaenas as being well rather boring but actually there were some lovely new varieties that I saw in this nursery including one called sunray uh, with a beautiful golden stripe down the middle which was really really stunning. When I went to see Ian Drummond of Indoor Garden Design recently he tipped Dracaena as a plant that is really coming back into fashion so do look out for some interesting new Dracaenas coming through. The heterohelix well I've always rejected this as a house plant as being a bit too difficult to maintain. Really to make this one thrive you need to have a very cool environment perhaps an unheated room or a nice damp bathroom but seeing thousands of plants all suspended from the ceiling above huge chain of english ivy was really something else and it shows just how in demand this plant is they have mother plants which they take cuttings from which are allowed to grow long and then propagated and then once the mother plants have got really big after a few years those are then sold off to people who are looking for more mature plants and they start all over again it was an incredible operation at work 
And it really gave me a sense of just the sheer scale of the houseplant growing that goes on in the Netherlands. I hope you'll soon be able to see a wonderful video put together by the joy of plants showing me touring some of these nurseries and talking about the experience. That'll be coming out soon, as soon as it's available. I'll be linking to it from all my social media platforms and you can see me pottering about wearing my flowery jacket and looking very pleased with myself and excited to be in such a wonderful place. Just a reminder that I did also have a few more thoughts about my Dutch trip, which was in my Extra Leaf episode for Patreon subscribers. So if you're a Patreon subscriber of $5 a month or more, do go and check that out. I know that a few of you had questions you wanted me to ask. I know Ruth Webb was asking about calatheas uh, on the trip. To be honest, Ruth, I didn't really see any interesting new calatheas. I think possibly all the interesting ones have already appeared on our shelves and there wasn't really anything particularly new that I saw that caught my attention. But I just thought I'd mention that because I know you did ask the question. Some people were asking about sustainability. One of the interesting things I saw was a brand called Fair Flora, which is being promoted by Ubink and some other nurseries in the Netherlands. So this is a brand that's marketing plants as being sustainable. The nurseries measure their carbon footprints and make sure there's a really transparent supply chain so that the whole process is very open and try to make their plants as sustainable as possible. For example, the labels of these fair flora plants contain bat guano. So you can just tear up the label, pop it in the soil and hey presto, your plant's getting fertilised. I'll include a link in the show notes to Fair Flora. I'm going to try to get somebody from Fair Flora to come and talk to me for the podcast to find out a little bit more about what they're doing. But it was really encouraging to see how sustainability issues are really taking centre stage in many of those nurseries. And I'm hoping to come back to that issue in future shows. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I will be back next week with another episode of On The Ledge podcast. I got an email the other day from somebody who was telling me about a disappointing plant buying experience they had and I dropped her a line back and she replied blew my mind that you responded personally well you know what I do try to respond to every message I get I don't always manage that but you should get a reply from me if you send me a message and I love hearing from all of you so please do get in touch if you're not sure how to do that check out the show notes for full details of where I am at that's it for this week hope you have a fabulous week and keep your house plants moist but not too moist and marvelous bye heard in this week's episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops, an instrument The Boy Called Happy Day Gukana by Samuel Corwin, and Overthrown by Josh Woodward, all licensed under Creative Commons. See my website for details.